Welcome to the Business Breakfast on Jazz FM with Oanda. Start your day with the latest business and city news and enlightening guests with Michael Wilson. Very good morning to you. Just coming up to three minutes past six, I'm Michael Wilson. Thanks for joining me. On this morning's programme, a market surge, but why and for how long? Self-help for the gig economy, but it's complicated. And a new battle for control of the streaming screens in lockdown. And Craig Erland from Oanda is joining me to look through the business headlines. That's all coming up on the programme this morning, Wednesday, the 25th of March. This is a business breakfast with Oanda on Jazz FM. Online trading, currency data, money transfers. Braving the ether somewhere in self-isolation. Here's Craig Earlham. Very good morning to you. Um, why the bounce? Give us the reasons and then optimism or pessimism, short-lived or long-term. I mean, we, we can try and uh, guess what the cause for the bounce was, but as we've seen in these quite wild markets, um, it's not always uh, easily explained or sustainable. I think the obvious reason for this bounce is this uh, massive a U.S. government stimulus plan. It fell apart over the weekend. Uh, it fell apart on Monday. And it seems that now we are seeing uh, it has been voted through uh, in the Senate. So this is a $2 trillion uh, stimulus plan. It's tax cuts. It's support for businesses. It's support for households. Um, and it could be a game changer as far as the U.S. is concerned. My concern is, that is the sustainability aspect. I've said to you before we discussed it yesterday, I feel like all of these stimulus efforts are going to be rocket fuel when um, when the rally does take hold. Uh, but for me, it, the rally is always going to struggle to continue to take hold when uh, the coronavirus is still in the acceleration phase. And when you have the World Health Organization talking about the U.S. as if it's going to be the epicenter uh, or become the epicenter of the coronavirus, when we have India going into lockdown, uh, when we have acceleration in part bulk, in the bulk of Europe, uh, including the UK, uh, when you have the, these quarantines um, across the world at this point, I struggle to see how we are at a turning point. So what what did or does this bounce actually illustrate to you that there's an enormous amount of technical momentum trading that people are desperate to because you've often said this haven't you you know there's a lot on the sidelines waiting to come in does does it show a bit of desperation there you know not wishing to be caught out and so in other words the herd instinct but the other way FOMO uh, as it were yeah it's to be honest I think when we're looking at the levels that we've got in global stock markets right now I think everyone agrees that they're extremely cheap and that there's a lot of value to be had there what people can't agree on what what people aren't saying is that they believe that it's bottomed now it's always important to state picking tops and bottoms is a mugs game as far as the markets are concerned uh, if, if that is your goal you're, you're, breaking, you're, you're more often than not going to be caught out far more often than not going to be caught out so if you think there's value to be had here then uh, you can understand that people are going to be uh, dipping their toe in uh, as it were uh, but the, a rebound of this scale um, purely on this stimulus package seems a little uh, overdone to me uh, like, like I say from, from, from my perspective the, the rally is going to struggle to take hold uh, in, in the absence of, an, of a real turnaround and we're not near that point as far as the coronavirus um, is concerned but then like I say people are clearly desperate to get back into the market there's been a lot of housekeeping done I guess over the course of the last few weeks as far as the market's concerned when you have these kind of over leveraged players when you have uh, people uh, who are fundamentally getting in for the wrong reasons purely the FOMO trade this buy the dip mentality it does create distortions within the market 
there ha- will have been a big clear out as far as that is concerned, which means that the market is a, is ultimately a far healthier place, which again is one of the appeals. But then again, we do still have a massive problem. Uh, and for that reason, I'm not necessarily convinced that we are at the bottom yet. No, it's interesting, isn't it, that yesterday there were some very weird ones, you know, because the travel industry has taken a beating, as we know. Mm-hmm. And yet, Carnival, EasyJet, Wizz Air, um, uh, and even Stagecoach, you know, and they, they, they experienced a big bounce back in their... Uh, in in buying, didn't they? I mean, you have to ask, why is that? I mean, somebody must have been thinking maybe these travel stocks have bottomed out, but clearly, as you say, the the reality of the world is that there is no... We haven't reached the peak of this yet. No, and I think maybe this has a lot to do with the fact that governments are going to start, and uh, uh, if I'm not mistaken, this $2 trillion package does offer effective backstops for many of these stocks. Mm. The US in particular has spoken a lot, Donald Trump has spoken a lot, about how this is not the fault of the airlines and therefore they shouldn't suffer uh, as a result. They shouldn't be going into administration. They shouldn't be going under as a result of the coronavirus. So the government has to be there to uh, to support them and to be a backstop and to um, lend, be a lender of last resort, as it were, if need be. Uh, and, it, and clearly by this package being agreed, by it getting through the Senate, by passing the tests that the Democrats have effectively set for the Republicans, which is that none of this bailout money can be used for bonuses, for example, um, then all of a sudden, then many of these airlines, many of the, the, the Boeings of this world the, uh, and others have a backstop, uh, which they didn't in the absence of this stimulus package. Again, there is still a long way to go, and these companies' bottom lines are going to be severely harmed for many quarters to come. But I can understand why they were potentially coming off their lows yesterday alone uh, because of the backstop that's now in place. And finally, just before we hit the music, um, a pretty obvious one, this, but GDP in the UK, the worst quarter, etc., etc. We sort of instinctively know that. We know we also draw a bit of a veil over GDP figures because they're very difficult to calculate and they're always revised and all the rest of it. However, my question to you is, at this, at this kind of low levels, what's your feeling about when we'll actually get out... Uh, sorry, will we ever restore the sort of GDP... No, not will we ever. In the near future, will we restore the sort of level of GDP that we've come to expect in this country, which is not huge, but sort of Goldilocks, really. Not too hot, not too, not too cold. So I, uh, I, I hate to um, almost be on the fence here. I think the next quarter is going to be the worst, and I think most people will agree with that. You look at the forecast, which we saw yesterday from many of the biggest US banks, and they're forecasting growth. Uh, the contraction in the US to be anything from around 15, 16% to 30% in the second quarter. The Fed's James Bullard suggested it could be up to 50% uh, because of the lockdown efforts which are being put in place. We will obviously rebound from that, but how strongly we rebound and how quickly we rebound will depend on just how much these stimulus efforts are going to take hold. And I'm not talking tax cuts, I'm talking how uh, easy it is for small and medium-sized businesses to access this funding which is being made available to them, how many jobs are preserved, uh, so how much the unemployment rate rises and uh, permanently, not just temporarily. These factors are going to determine whether we can reach this Goldilocks moment and how soon we can do it again. It's unlikely to come this year, but moving into next year, then again, it really does depend on uh, two things. One is, um, is, is how 
well, we start to bounce back in the back in the last part of this year. But then the other factor is, and we've heard uh, the administrations talking about this, whether we see a second phase of the coronavirus. Because one thing that all these quarantine efforts does is it does kind of uh, reduce the speed of the spread now. But if then we get a second wave and we're back in quarantine this time in 12 months, then you are going to see uh, more painful uh, knock-on effects. Craig's the moment. Thank you very much indeed. More than a week on from the first coronavirus restrictions and days after help for many workers, the self-employed are still in limbo. For many, work's hard to find, with employers also in trouble. The Chancellor says rolling out support for the UK's five million freelancers and contractors is incredibly complicated. A plan is expected later, but it will have to tick a lot of boxes. Ryan Barnett, Economic Policy Advisor at the Association of Independent Professionals and the Self-Employed, joins me to explain. Complicated, I'm guessing, is an understatement for this, isn't it, given the variety of some of these five million people's jobs? Well, perhaps, yes. I mean, obviously, the, there are quite a few different jobs. Um, you've got your traditional sole traders and limited companies, but they all file tax return. And smaller countries, yes, but in Scandinavia, Norway and Denmark have found a way of doing it. So we hope the government can come up with something here. Right, let's talk about it then. So how will the government actually verify the claims being made by these various freelancers? So the... Um, our idea we've come up with for our temporary income protection fund concept, um, which we put forward to the government, effectively involves um, looking at three years' worth of tax returns, um, if and when they are available, but also taking into account if there's, say, a maternity gap or if someone's been in employment at that time. Now, that does sound quite complex, but it's the easiest way um, to assess income and then apply, say, an average and give out a certain grant every month or something. Yeah. So, but the, the the problem with all this is that you know words are one thing, aren't they? And implementation is mm. another. And we've talked about. I'm sure you. This is um, you know exactly what you talk about every day. But this is the dif- difficulty, isn't it? Actually, getting this money and quickly as well, because that's important. Yes, yeah, certainly. Um, so, bear in mind the employment measures that are being put in place. Won't people won't receive that money for a while now? Now it have to be backdated to the start of March. So you know any system. It gets either used or expanded or created out of thin air to facilitate this is going to be complicated and will take a while to put together. Um, but the, the infrastructure is there. It just it might need a bit of extra working out. Most people we've spoken to, luckily, at least our members, have some money in reserve, but a lot of people don't. Now, the universal credit system might be able to fill the gap in the meantime, but um, government will have to hopefully do quite quickly because people are losing work now. Who will actually, are you worried, will, will lose out on this? Because there are wrinkles and complications all the way along the line, aren't there? As I said, um, so if you've taken a gap of, for work for any means, maternity in particular, that could be an issue. People that haven't been freelance, over whichever period they look to assess from um, for the entire time could fall foul. Um if you if you're not earning that much money, might be seen as part time, um, and therefore the, the, I'm not sure. People who, if you've paid yourself um, more through dividends than through a wage, you might also lose out. Um, so there are, there are lots of different ways. The problem at the moment I'm hearing from the creative industry, people that have seriously lost quite a lot of money already and are looking for the next year. Uh, reporting some quite bleak stories, and I think they need support probably quickest at the moment. 
Mm. So what kind of dialogue are you having about this? Because it does even, you know, even your best hopes, it does sound incredibly complicated. So as I said, we, we put a proposal together that's been sent to the Treasury. Um, they were looking for responses up until five o'clock on Monday. Yeah. Uh, there is yeah some sort of ongoing chats between lots of MPs and other freelance groups. And there is a massive dialogue out there, the, the tax community as well. People are already working together, suggesting things to the government. The government are listening as well. If you look at the delay to I-35 and some of the changes they've made to the loan scheme, um, they are listening to businesses, but it, these things do take time. And it feels like a year since Friday, but it's not. It's five days. But still, we, 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 I think people are worried at the moment and really need some reassurance. OK, Rowan Bennett, Economic Policy Advisor at the Association of Independent Professionals and Self-Employed. Thank you very much indeed. This is the Business Breakfast on Jazz FM. With Oanda, online trading, currency data, money transfers. Well, as we're all stuck indoors at the moment, more of us are turning to the internet to keep connected and to keep entertained. The amount of downloading and uploading jumped 20% on Monday, according to OpenReach. Video streaming services like YouTube and Netflix are, are cutting their picture quality to keep the network running smoothly, along with newly launched Disney+. Plus. Is the lockdown a perfect opportunity or a challenge for the streaming giants? Well, join me as media industry analyst Alex de Groot. Um, just treat me gently, if you would, about this uh, business of capacity, but I can imagine that... Um, I, I'm not technical at all, but I would imagine that the system is under considerable strain at the moment yes that's right it is under strain um you've probably got perhaps four or five people in a household whereas normally there might be one so consumption is going up um and of course most businesses tend to use intranets rather than the public internet so yes capacity is being stretched and of course we're all streaming much more these days Okay, so we, we've talked about, um, let's, let's talk about the streaming companies first of all. What are they actually doing to try to, to, try to help this? So they're, they're reducing what is known as their bit rates, which effectively, um, frankly, uh, worsens the quality of the video. Although for the average consumer and household, you wouldn't notice any difference. But it does free up some capacity at their end. Um, bear in mind that 70% of internet usage these days is streaming related and also we've got this newly launched disney plus i mean i can think of better times to launch something like that but there we are we are we are where we are aren't we in the house we are. That, that, I'm, I'm, that, that's what another competitor for everybody it's another competitor but you know what actually their timing might be spot on because with everybody home cocooning or stuck at home it may be the perfect time to try and capture the imagination of households we think beyond Netflix and Amazon Prime, Disney Plus could be a very useful addition to the streaming set. On the BBC website, I noticed yesterday that they've been saying that, you know, they're going to try and save the, the British summer and all the rest of it. They are clearly, um, what, whatever, you know, national broadcast and all the rest of it, but clearly underneath all that, they <laughs> excuse me, must be feeling the idea that there is a lot of competition out there and they even more now need to justify their, their, their existence. They really do. I mean, if you think about it, the BBC does very well with events like Wimbledon, which I assume is now under threat. And so they really need to try and ram home that advantage they have of being one of the UK's destination destinations for content. But there will be more content operators now than ever before. And some of them have really fresh, compelling content. So it is competitive. And of course, um, a lot of people will be um, will be spending more time at home in the coming weeks than perhaps ever before. 
In, indeed, I, I was going to going to ask: is this a, is this a battle for new content, or is it about libraries as well? Because that that does put a different complexion on the various suppliers, doesn't it? Well, it does. I mean, the big archive play, the big library play in the UK, is the option called BritBox, which is co-owned by ITV and the BBC. I suspect they too may get something of an upsurge in terms of demand from consumers. But frankly, I think um, new content ultimately will always win out over old content. Okay, and, and, and finally, um, an outfit like Sky Sports is actually offering um, refunds, isn't it? Because there is no no live sport, so that's that's quite a positive thing to do. I, I think so. I think they have to do that. It's a tricky one because if you think about it, they're effectively giving the Premier League or paying the Premier League seven hundred and fifty million quid a year for the broadcast rights. But of course, we're missing a quarter of the season. There's no clarity when it might resume, so they have to strike a strict. strict tricky commercial balance between getting their bang for their bucks and retaining their consumers who frankly with no live content might churn away or leave let's get back to uh, craig ellen marked on this at oanda so um, given that bounce yesterday uh, the forecasts are looking at a bounce or s- slight rebound today as far as europe's concerned but again we're going to treat that with a lot of caution aren't we um, th- this balance of, of keeping the workforce as it used to be called idle um without layoffs um that is a very fine balance isn't it for any any chancellor to do any political party to do um ha- what, what 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 will it do to the economy i mean uh, not that we know about the gdp but i mean generally the shape of the economy in years to come well, I, we, we can only hope that it sustains it uh, at this moment in time. I don't think they probably thought, thought much further ahead than that. I think the biggest fear, as far as the government is concerned, is that many of these companies will start by reducing workers' hours uh, and follow that up if there's not an immediate rebound by um, by removing them altogether. And what we'll see is a, a spike in the unemployment rate and then we see a self-fulfilling recession because people spend less, people have more job insecurity and then you get the recession that you were fearing to begin with uh, and not for the reasons that you initially uh, thought was, was going to be the case. Whereas now what you're going to have, you're going to have people effectively laid off temporarily while earning full pay so that when the shops do start to open again these people can come immediately back into the workforce but also they won't have faced hard times in the process or that is at least the idea so they'll continue to spend money continue to support the economy and then you get this positive uh, feedback loop uh, and that is the hope of the government but uh, again my skepticism always comes from not the intentions of these schemes but the the ability of them to actually function as you want it's it's all well and good for example, um, being uh, a large company with a HR department where they could look into these and make sure that these programs are functioning well and can fill out all the paperwork, etc., whatever needs to be done in order to protect their employees and then um, effectively furlough their employees. But it's another altogether if you are a, a, a small business who has three or four employees and doesn't have the capacity to potentially go through all the administration. I'm not aware of what the actual process is with regards to this, but my fear is that it, it may not be as straightforward as many small businesses will hope. Hopefully I'm wrong, um, uh, uh, but that is going to be the true test of many of these schemes that governments are putting out there. And I think we're going to see, aren't we, um, today, measures to help the self-employed. And as we were saying earlier in the programme, this ties in with what you're saying, incredibly complicated. And, of course, the value of it is in the implementation, a timely implementation. In fact, before very soon implementation, which I would guess is pretty unlikely. And we have to remember as well that um, the Conservative Party have always 
really kind of cherish their what they their, their kind of entrepreneurial spirit. They have always encouraged people uh, to become effectively self-employed, to start up businesses, to take risks. So they very much now need to be seen to be the part to be the people who are looking after these people and not hanging them out to dry. The difficulty is, and this is what you guessed alluded to earlier, this is extremely complex. How is it that you measure the the uh, who is self-employed, um, how much they are entitled to, how much they've earned, how they've earned it? He mentioned some people pay themselves as dividends, for example. That is an extremely complex um, uh, problem that they have to now resolve. And I feel that the best way that they can do it is going to be the more expensive approach if they truly want to protect self-employed and encourage them and don't want to um, have an effective... Well, um, in, 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 other, in, in other words, smooth over the small print and get on with it. That, that's the, that's exactly. the, that's so the way. And that's, that's going to be expensive, isn't it? Yeah. It's going to be the more expensive approach rather than nitpicking and saying, well, actually, you've paid yourself a dividend so you don't count in this. It's going to be the broad brushed approach, which is here is what you earned last year. We will we will ensure that that is at least matched or matched up to 80% as with employed people. That is probably going to be the far more expensive approach, but it's going to be the approach that simplifies the process as much as possible and protects the people which they are intending to protect. Craig Ellum, thank you very much indeed. The Business Breakfast on Jazz FM with Oanda. Online trading, currency data, money transfers.